What's up, everybody? It's Lo, your host, and almost all of the Vols ATV crew with Brando and Drew. Alex is not here tonight. He is in finals, so we will give him a pass, I guess. Uh, <laughs> wishing him the best, though, on all of his finals. But tonight, before we dive into a bunch of stuff, we just wanted to kick off with an announcement. We announced it on our last show. But we wanted to kind of get the ball rolling because it's coming up soon. So Friday, August 19th, 7 to 8.30 Eastern Time. All of us will be at Skybox Knoxville on Gay Street. And I have the clearance to announce that we are also going to have Juice Davis and Troy Fleming joining us for our live preseason predictions. I'm so excited about this. It is going to be so fun. Uh, Go ahead, Brenda. <laughs> no, I was just going to say absolutely pumped up. You know, I, I expect a crazy environment uh, on a Friday, pre-kicking off the karaoke night. So I expect uh, the Vols ATV crew finally full in effect in person. Hell excited. So It's going to be a great environment. I'm sure I'm going to piss off a lot of people with my takes. And who knows? Maybe if you get me drunk enough, I'll be on there at karaoke night as well. So <laughs> we'll have to see. I love it. <laughs> I will sing some karaoke songs with everyone afterwards. It's going to be so much fun. Um, so make sure, like, we're going to try and really get this stuff, get the ball rolling, get everything out there. Make sure you guys try to plan to make it. Um, meet all of us. Like I said, we got two guests coming. Also, to make it even more interesting, we're going to be rolling through everyone's um, preseason predictions, wins, losses, scores, etc., but we're going to be tracking our internal groups of the Vols ATV And you guys get to vote on a punishment for the loser. So whoever loses at the end of the season is going to have to do some sort of punishment. And we are going to announce what that is at the live show. So lots to look forward to for anyone oh listening. <laughs> Jesus. I just uh, I know that like if we're all making the punishment, like especially our our live audience, the the mindset that we have with our comment section and considering like the past week after week, I'm just scared whoever does have to lose, and I'm I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be me though. So I'm, I'm sure. I know it's not going to be me. I it, won't, it definitely won't be me. However, I do say if I do get the worst record, I fear. I mean, I fear God what my haters out there are going to be like. My punishment will be so. <laughs> oh yeah oh it'll be rough there's no doubt about that <laughs> no doubt of course it all will have to be within reason so we will pick a few options and then let y'all decide um on the choice and then we will go with it we will definitely make it happen because we stand by our words here at the vols atv crew um so <laughs> Diving on into it, we're going to start out with the allegations that everyone has been talking about all week. So, officially, it's 18 level one violations, totaling about 60 grand in the Pruitt era. Um, but most of them are like super freaking minor. Like, literally, you guys have any idea that taking a fucking shirt that's worth like 10 or $20 is a violation? Like, who is educating? Not only the public, but the players on this type of shit. Like, I had no idea. How would anyone know that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's no idea of, like, the way of knowing. But, you know, Drew, a three- or four-year-long process, the Trey Wallace massacre of, on Vols football and Vols athletics, 
finally coming to an end, coming out finally via the athletic and uh, sports illustrated 18 level one violations, uh, totally found of like about $60,000 in play, um, mostly from visits going all around, but you know, we all knew what was going on. We all knew what was happening going in, seeing who was all involved, how the, all the dominoes of people getting kind of processed out, players going, you know, quietly like entering the portal, even with the coaching staff, a few names there and all. Drew, how does it all kind of unfold there? It's, it's a mess. Like what's, what's going on there? It is, you know, it's just, you, it, you can't imagine like how ridiculous all this was during Pritz there. You know, there was something shady going on because the guy, he can't, he can't even form a sentence much less recruit a person to come to Tennessee. So you knew there was some money thrown around, but you never thought in a million years that his wife, I mean, his <laughs> wife was involved in all of this. You know, she provided over $12,500 in cash car payments, 25 payments of $500 each, and $3,000 in cash rent payments for a player and mother from September of 2018 up till March of last year. So even after he got fired, they were still paying this mysterious player um like giving him money and his mother money as well and the gifts began during his recruiting process you know continued after he enrolled at tennessee and played for tennessee uh it represents most of the twenty three thousand two hundred and sixty dollars in cash and gifts given to the player by the pruitts shelton felton linebacker coach brian niedemeyer and drew hughes who was the director of player personnel now, back in twenty early 2020, Drew Hughes actually left for South Carolina for the same position. He was named in three level one violations of this whole entire, what the findings the NCAA had. And he helped arrange thousands of dollars in cash and hotel stays, meals, entertainment, transportation, game day parking, and team apparel. Now, I do admit with Flo, I think it's kind of silly and ridiculous that team apparel is apparently a violation. I mean, like. Yeah, they're going to your school. I mean, like, what do you expect? Or you, what do you expect them to wear? Rivals colors? I mean, like, but I think the one big thing though about this is that we already knew that Shelton Felton and Brian Niedermeyer were involved in this. However, we didn't know that not only Casey Pruitt was involved, but defensive coordinator Derek Insley. And long story short, these three, you know, Stooges, Niedermeyer and Derek Insley and Shelton Felton, they would go. And I'll just, I mean, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Yeah, they would I mean. Go the Crown Plaza Hotel in downtown Knoxville, give out cash, bags of cash to the reception at the entrance of the hotel, and then for those employees to go to the recruits' hotel rooms and just leave the bags of cash for that. And then on top of that, these morons did it during the COVID lockdowns when there was no recruiting allowed at all. So, you know, the most infuriating thing is that we had, we cheated our asses off and got our ass kicked by Georgia State at home and then lost by 25 to Vanderbilt on the road as well. So it's like not only we cheated and tried to cheat like Ole Miss, we didn't even get the benefits out of it. I mean, like, he is the worst coach in the history of Tennessee football. I mean. Bro, the- it, shows, it just shows, like, he is so fucking stupid that he couldn't even get the players with bags of cash. Like, that's just – that's just top tier embarrassing. No wonder he didn't want it to come out. Just imagine how bad they all look now. I mean, it's horrible. At least, like, oh, yeah. at least get some wins out of it if you're going to do it. Jeez. But, but here's the thing, though. It's like, if you're going to cheat, at least cheat more than 60 grand. I mean, <laughs> odd. Like, that's a really bad NIL deal for an offensive lineman now. I mean, oh, yeah. 
you know, like, and this was the thing. It was like Niedermeyer would go to these recruits' high schools, and then after their game, like, just casually just give them $500 on the sidelines. And then, you know, try to arrange, you know, their flights to there and all this stuff. I mean, it was poorly executed. I mean, and we not only we didn't get any of the benefits out of it, then we got an NCAA investigation. But luckily, though, and shout out to Trey Wallace, our, you know, savior of Tennessee football. All this came out, and we didn't have to owe pro any of this $12.5 million clause. So, and we wound up getting Josh Heupel, which none of us really thought he would have actually turned out the way he did. So, there is some positives to this, but, uh, man, 18 level one violations, that's actually, you know, that's six more than Ole Miss had during the Hugh Freeze era. So, not good. We cheated more than Ole Miss, and we didn't even get anything out of it. So, just all around embarrassing. Yeah, no, I think the concept, the fact that you had kids showing up to your hotel is that people like know where like your visitors are going to a hotel. And I mean, obviously, the team apparel thing is kind of crazy when there's like 20, 25 classified kids that are going on unofficial visits and getting like being able to put on a uniform and pants and everything. So I don't understand the difference. If you can go to a school and visit why you can't, you know, get the apparel that goes with it. And like, you know, you go home with gloves, et cetera. So but the fact that, you know, not only did this, you know, not affect on the win loss record when you you go into cheating, but like on the recruitment trail, like Amarius Mims, Darnell Washington, two guys that went to Georgia that, you know, like for a fact that in this investigation that Pruitt dropped bags to, that they took it and still committed to Georgia, like took our money and ran. So in all in all, it was, it was a mess. Uh, and then you have, you know. And he didn't have to return that. They were like, yeah, oh, yeah, don't exactly. have to return it. Like and, and then and then it comes out, you know, that Georgia, like Georgia obviously had a play of, you know, turning us in of being one of the many schools that reported it, you know, understanding what they were being told from Amarius and Darnell. So obviously Georgia hopped on that and got Tennessee going down. They know Pruitt was up and Kirby was doing. But the fact that all that happened, and then you have other coaches that, you know, you barely got some wins, you know, going three and seven, five and seven, you know, getting one bowl game, bowl win in your whole tenure against Indiana, where you were down three touchdowns for a fact, like absolutely crazy you have a guy like eli drinkowitz today coming out saying hey i'm going to add some more wins to my record because uh the tennessee allegations and talking about pruitt and his wife and just kind of putting like a smear on tennessee and like all in all it was proven what he did but it's still a smear to tennessee where other coaches are going to you know still to this day using it against us in recruiting kentucky other schools and tight tight battles in recruiting so just a, an overlooming problem. Uh, Tennessee did their best, like the NCAA said, that everyone should do what Tennessee did and control it how they did. And hopefully with, you know, 18 level ones, that's a lot in this day and age of football. And probably 10 years ago, that's a death penalty. But uh, I think with our leniency, it might help out in the end. But what a mess that these guys, high school level coaches, staff, we knew they were dumb. We knew they didn't know their vegetables, their ABCs, everything else in the book, how to wear a mask properly. Uh, these guys just, it's a mess. Well, that's commenting on the dumb portion. Like we do know just how dumb Pruitt is. So I'm the first, I know I'm not the first to say that he obviously, this was a learned behavior. He learned this from somewhere. He did not just come up with this on his oh. own. We all know where that came from. Um, second of all, I just want to say, I don't, I just, there's no way the, after the NCAA praised every, like sent a literal praise letter about how good the staff at UT handled it. I don't see any way that a bowl ban even happens, especially after um, they changed that new ruling that they didn't want to like um, have bowl bans in the future. That was just this past week by the NCAA. But 
I don't care if we lose 16 wins. I want to throw Pruitt's entire history down the freaking toilet and move on. It was a shit show anyways. In fact, I barely even watched it. It was that bad. What say though for Drinkwitz to like be toting around on, you know, on national radio, be like, oh, this is a few more wins for me. It's like, buddy, it's like your team is such hot garbage. But you're bragging about vacated, getting vacated Wednesday. Like, that is embarrassing <laughs> as hell. I mean, I mean my thought, yeah, not, yeah. Even, not even Vanderbilt does that. I mean, it's just like, yeah, you know, I mean, so just speaking of the levels, and I mean, seriously, I mean, we had a head coach where he wore his like freaking ass, like as if he was ET, you know, in the basket of the bicycle. You're telling me this guy was trying to, like, was going to be able to convince Marius Mims and Darnell Washington to come here? No, no chance. But, the thing is, though, I mean, I know, you know, the the official notice of allegations says 60,000. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not There's saying no shot. Thing. I'm not saying, you know, this is this is just, quote unquote, my gut feeling. Uh, it was definitely way more than 60,000. So which once again, should speak into the volumes of how horrible I mean, as a head coach, a manager, whatever you want to call it, that Jeremy Pruitt was of this football program. And so. But yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to punt, especially with NIL. And I mean, we're no, gave you know Nico, you know, a very you know good lucrative deal. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think you know he'll get a ban for life from college football, or at least a show cause of like ten years, like they did with Donnie Tindall. And you best believe that Niedermeyer will never coach a game of college football ever again. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I agree with uh, Lowe's original statement. The fact that uh, like not wanting to remember the whole Pruitt tenure. Like, if we had to vacate wins, like Drinkowitz said, I'm kind of all for it. I don't, like, you know, whatever. Nothing really to brag about there anyway. Um, I think it's funny, though, you know, coming at us in Tennessee, the fact after we just took the number one player in the state of Missouri and all the people under the comments were like, oh, this, you know, investigation uh, is going to make all these guys flip, like all, like, the Nico rumors or, like, Shandavian Bradley or Caleb Hand, like, Tennessee's like people are mad that Tennessee's going strong in this NIL era. And I obviously don't see it kind of affecting this going forward. I think like Tennessee uh, did a really good job last year, like the Bowling Green game and Pitt and like a couple of early games. Uh, a lot of recruits weren't allowed to show up. The people like they didn't release that kind of statement out there. So like Tennessee kind of took care of it under the wraps last season. I think like if you see it overall, it might be some scholarship reductions or like and I, like, I think that, that kind of won't happen, though, because you can't really reduce scholarships now because you have the 85-man max limit. As long as you follow that, uh, you can recruit how many other players you want. So Tennessee is, like, kind of getting, like, you know, their way out of the gutter via the new NCAA rules. And if that kind of goes forward and, you know, being the cooperative way they did, um, maybe, like, a couple, like, visit restrictions or, like, kind of being closely monitored. But I don't think, like, bowl, bank, bowl games or anything like that. I think that Pruitt and then, like, their whole college career, like, his statement after the fact of what they uh, came out after the uh, allegations came out from Sports Illustrated it was kind of like basically like no comment because like I got caught like well, that's what it is. So uh, I definitely see like a show clause coming for all three of those guys, him, Niedermeyer and Derek Ansley, uh, all probably going to have to, you know, be coordinators in the, the NFL or another league somewhere. So it's just a, a whole mess, though, Drew. Yeah, no, I mean, it really is. But um I think the one thing that probably would do as far as punishment goes is like maybe limit like official visits that we can have for recruits. I think that's maybe. like a possibility. I mean, when you consider that we fired the entire staff once we kind of like did our own investigation and even the athletic director, you know, a lot of people want to talk about how this is going to tarnish 
Pruitt's, you know, his time at Tennessee or as a head coach, I'll tell you who's it's going to tarnish, and it's Philip Fulmer. That's right. I'm going facts. after Go after And I don't care. I'm not letting Let's say, Yeah, no, that's facts because the NCAA, they praise, they praise our administration now, but that's all Danny White, uh, everyone else, you know, that he's brought on in this short amount of time in the past two years. Who met all this mess happen? Who was involved under the table and is probably not going to admit it that we kind of paid to walk away $900,000 to walk <laughs> away over the span of two years? Exactly. Philip Fulmer, the man who came in here originally and ruined it as a head coach, and then he yeah. got his hands on an AD spot. And it's just, you know, he let it happen. He was out there coaching the dang kids on the field. That was one of the violations. Philip Fulmer was out there coaching kids under the Pruitt administration, under the tenure. Exactly. And that was one of the violations by the NCAA. Like, and one the other thing I wanted to bring up that you guys, you know, we talked about some of the potential um, punishments, but we've already put on sanctions on ourselves. And with the 85 people, like the 85 man scholarship limit, we only have, I believe, 79 or 80 right now. So we're already still under that 85 limit anyways. And if we keep it that way, that's more sanctions that we're putting on ourselves this season too, on top of last season. And they've already praised us. None of those people are at the university anymore. Thank God. And I really just don't see anything else they could really possibly do besides just like you guys said, the minimum, like recruit visits, things. They don't really have much to stand on at this point after that new ruling with NIL. I don't see how they could just reverse it all. So I don't know why I see some people freaking out or why, any why anyone would be like, oh, we're gonna lose our recruiting class. I think they, I think these recruits know better. I mean, we literally got a praise letter by the NCAA yeah. for just how phenomenal we've been. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. people are scared because they, you know, they think, oh, the NCAA is after Tennessee and what happened with Bruce Pearl in our recent history. Pray that we think it's some type of punishment for that. But let's go back. You know what? Like, I'm still pissed off about Fulmer. Let's go back to that real quick, okay? This man led a coup to tots on the athletic department, got Curry fired, okay? And then we had the opportunity to hire Mel Tucker, and this dumbass hired Pruitt instead. I mean, he could have nice. saved the program, but he, you know, he's so gullible, and he has no idea what he's doing, just like he did the last 10 years of our football program. No one ever wants to admit that, but it's true. And he completely ruined it. He played a worse shape than he did when he got fired in 2008. I didn't even think that was possible. <laughs> yeah, the whole saga of uh, John Curry going off, going against the uh, the UT uh, boosters and then going out there and trying to hire Mike Leach. Got the signature, took it back, trying to get the signature of the president at the time, and it just didn't work out. Just to get fired, just to bring in Fulmer, uh, have the opportunity to hire Mel Tucker, uh, some other guys on the board, and then, you you know, you go to Bama, you hire a Bama guy, Jeremy Pruitt. We just kind of knew right then and there. We like we we all knew deep down. Like everyone hated the hire to begin with. And like oh, let's ride the way. Like to be better. Like we had to bring someone in from Bam. He brought the whole staff over. Brought Nina Meyer. We praised him. Called him Moose. Had the whole fucking saga. Uh, I, I think though, going back to like Lowe's statement about the official visit thing, and we're talking about how that's going to go down. Uh, especially like you know getting the number one player in Missouri, and Davian Bradley. He never OB'd here for, for an official visit. Like he just committed to Tennessee. So I think like even with the NIL era and what Tennessee's already building with the class and like all the friendly connections that we have, like with Jack Luttrell, John Slaughter, Sylvester Smith and Davian Bradley, all those guys being close, especially with like the seven on seven ball, like those becoming so, so popular with top prospects. Like kids are going to want to come to Tennessee with all the buzz going on anyway. 
And not only that, but Tennessee getting involved with the 2023 and 2024 top 10 classes there. Uh, I just don't think like in this day and age, there's no stopping Tennessee and what they're kind of building NIL front. I think they're offering too much good stuff on the table and they're kind of ahead of the curve right now. And as long as they stay there, I don't see any like NCAA repercussions because yeah. they did everything the right way. It would it would be extremely hypocritical of them to give us punishment for, you know, for a rule that's basically legal now. And schools are paying 15, 20 times more than what we were alleged to pay. So, oh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I, fine. they didn't even give anything Miami anything 10 years ago when Devin Shapiro, their booster, was like allowing recruits to have cocaine and strippers on his yacht. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to agree with you on the kind of price tag on recruits, like in this day and age of college football, like when you talk about Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day, like they both come out with quotes about like, oh, I'm going to need $13 million for this class or like uh, or Lincoln Riley was talking about Lyman, you know, like a first round lineman, it's going to be like a first round lineman for you. He's going to cost like a million dollars to sign for the, over the four years. And you look at schools like Miami right now that are like getting like, you know, don't even have their own indoor facility. They don't have a full field of an indoor facility. They don't have their on campus field. They don't have a stadium. They play in the Dolphin Stadium 35 minutes away. This team has landed like three five stars, two four stars, and is going absolutely crazy just by hiring Mario Cristobal. And then you look at like Bama over the last three days. I think they've had like three five stars, one in 2024, got Caleb Downs today, uh, two of their quarterbacks or five star quarterbacks, ESPN. Uh, they put Eli uh, Holstein and Dylan Longrigan in the top 10 of the quarterbacks and dropped Nico to like the 37th player in the country. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, all, all these teams, like they're taking advantage of it. And like, you can't tell me that these programs, Alabama and Miami, have been known for just being able to like do it, do it right, do it the right way. Like that's such horseshit. Like I said, I mean, Pruitt learned it from who? Exactly, exactly. He, he, he didn't just bring it out of his ass. Like he he, he brought it from Nick State. I mean, yeah. I, I would say Jimbo. Quite honestly, he was at he was at Florida State for quite some time. So probably yeah. both of them. I don't care. This is our podcast. We say what we want. Allegedly. Yeah, if, if we're going to be real, hired because he was bald and fat and he had a southern accent just like himself. <laughs> at. At. God. God. Could have had Mel Tucker, guys. <laughs> I think I think having Mel Tucker would have put this fan base in shambles, Drew. It wouldn't have even been a worse situation. I mean, we were we almost hired Greg Shiano. It could have not been any worse. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, our top three choices, you know, and the two that we tried to hire out of the three, the three candidates. I mean, let's, yeah, guys, I'm just a firm advocate. I think we had to go through all of this bullshit, and Hypel is just going to turn it all around. I'm not kidding. I mean, cannot just be handed something nice you got to go through all the bullshit first before yeah, i mean i guess i kind of to swerve it but not kind of swerve it. it's kind of the same topic josh heifel like at the sec media day uh showing up there with hinden hooker cedric tillman trayvon flowers this past week uh there was like a, a lot of good quotes and like how he's like selling the brand in total like going into this second season having all the success on the trail and like you know the whole investigation it really hasn't like wasn't even brought up during that process it was about like what hype was putting offensively um, they didn't even ask about the defense really until like it was one of our guys, Austin Price, asking about Tennessee's defense. Like that's how shows you how much that people like are trying to rave in the SEC and about going fast in in the offense. And like 
the fact that like the defense, like they're all kind of seeing these doing that big 12 approach where like you get fast on the edge and have fast approaching corners on the side and Hey, they might get beat, but you're, you're going to go there and make plays. You're going to get beat. And then you're going to put that offense back on the field and go back and play fast. So having that, I thought it was really good to see the guys. So the brand well, Hendon hooker mentioning spire, uh, you know, and then, I think, you know, it was all well approached, but he was kind of bold too. Like you had a psycho like Jimbo Fisher that was like, he didn't shut up his whole thing. And then you had uh, quiet bland guys like Clark Lee and Billy Napier. Uh, I thought, you know, presenting himself well. And then the quote, that was like, uh, who are you taking in the end? Are you taking Hendon Hooker? Or are you taking Josh Heifel? And he was like, I'm taking a Hendon Hooker. And he's like, why? He's got better coaching. Like he's just, you know, he's, he's bought in, he's confident in himself. And having a coach that's confident, and you know, I think that's what Tennessee and us as fans need going into year two. Uh, obviously, there's like restrictions and limits with what he has the roster right now. But you look at the next two classes and the top ten classes, uh, building in every important spot, and they've missed on a couple guys, but they're they're still they're going. So I just thought that was really good to see how they are kind of building the brand with like 30 days away from kickoff on September 1st. So. Well, I just, you know, leading in, like you said, um, talking about year two under Hypel, I mean, we were going to talk about this anyways, but we have eight vaults made all preseason or preseason all SEC. The first team was Byron Young. Second team was Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman and Darnell Wright. And then third team was Cooper Mays, Jeremy Banks. He probably would have made a lot higher if he didn't have so many personal penalties. And then Trayvon Flowers and Paxton Brooks. So, in a year, in going into year two, when none of us knew what the hell was going to happen in year one, just look at the turnaround, and that's a lot for us. I mean, that's honestly, I think that's pretty exciting to lead into yeah. year two with something so positive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry, I was going to say I point like the uh, sorry, <laughs> I point to the guys that just got drafted. They're like, we got six guys drafted, you know. Also the past season and the year one under him with guys that, you know, were flipped around and your whole progression at Tennessee that never saw the field and then go out there and get drafted. Matthew Butler, uh, Bayless Jones shot, and then Theo Jackson. And then I'll go back to this list. Now I think Cedric Tillman, uh, there was a two wide receivers on the first team. Cedric Tillman should definitely be the second wide receiver on the first team. Uh, the, him kind of being a second team after being uh, only 60 yards his first year and then having over a thousand yards in year one under Heifel. I thought that was kind of good. And then I think guys like Byron Young and Trayvon Flowers, they're boys for a breakout season as well. But sorry, Drew. No, it's totally yeah. fine. Okay, cool, cool. Now, I think, like, the big thing about this, though, is, like, you know, we expected quite a few people, like, you know, play from our offense on the offensive side, be preseason all SEC. But, guys, we have three defensive players. And, Grant, I mean, you know, it's third team and, th you know, two third teams and Byron Young being first. But, like, that's big. I mean, like, to really, like, you know, for even coaches to acknowledge that we have talent on both sides of the ball, it's been a hot minute where we've had that type of, you know, diversity of, like, you know, that type of talent on both sides. And I think, honestly, I don't know if Byron Young will be first-team All-SEC by the end of the year, but I'm going to tell you right now, Jeremy Banks is. Like, Jeremy Banks will be a first-team All-SEC linebacker this year. I think he's going to be a toe-to-toe oh, yeah. -to -toe easily. I mean, you know, honestly, if he had, you know, just – cut even half of the personal foul you know you know penalties that he had last year i think he would have been at least second team so I think, I think yeah. it speaks high praise for hypel and this program that even the media and coaches are acknowledging we have the fact that eight guys on the preseason all sec team is like huge especially for year two so 
Yeah, I think uh, Jeremy Banks is going to have to, like, shine a lot because, um, I, you know, I was kind of, like, saying, like, as we're, like, far, far away that, you know, the linebacker position, I'm kind of not really worried. You're going to have a Jawan Mitchell coming back. Uh, but, like, I'm kind of, you know, I've been kind of praising Jawan Mitchell, but I don't really know what we're going to kind of get out of him. Like, is his mindset going to be there? A lot of people don't know, like, going, like, leading up, it's kind of, like, thinking that, like, you know, he might, you know, there there might have to be some stepping up from these early freshmen and Caleb Perry and Elijah Heron, like we've been saying, that Jawan Mitchell just might not be there and that Aaron Beasley might have to be that second-team guy and you have to, like, go back on another guy that played a lot last year, Solon Page, that redshirted and came back. Uh, I just, you know, kind of worry about that. I think Jeremy Banks, he's going to obviously have to step up. I think last year was, like, 133 tackles, you know, as a linebacker. You know, I think he's a better linebacker than uh, Henry Toto, just in my opinion. I don't think Henry Toto is even in the top three best linebackers at Bama right now, for being honest. That would it maybe that's how much talent they have, or maybe just you know, just me being me as a Vols fan. But I think definitely gonna have to show up. Uh, probably would be a definitely first or second team if he uh, did kind of clean it up a little bit. But he's a leader, man. He's he's been through a lot, and the fact that he's still doing you know coming back under year two under hype, he could have you know probably transferred. He probably got a lot of buzz in his ear, but he's bought in. And, you know, he's trying to get that high stock. So, I, I appreciate what he's doing. So, Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you're going to see Juan Mitchell step up, though, because he's going to have the chip on his shoulder where, you know. He, I hope so. I mean, a lot of people – I mean, you know, because, you know, he, he didn't play at all last year, whether it's because of injuries or whatever. But this is a guy where a couple of years ago he was the leading tackler for Texas. Like, you know, like he's – I mean, he's one of the most talented guys <laughs> we have in that spot. And I think he's going to, ha- like, show people, like, what he can prove and what his worth is, um, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I think Elijah Herring is going to be good as well. And, you know, hopefully Roman Harrison will be able to make uh, impact as, um, as well. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I just think that, like, no, the, the injury was a definitely a real injury. Like, the scar on his shoulder is not there for no reason. Like, he had a surgery. So, I mean, it was definitely a torn rotator cuff or what it was, like, a torn something in his shoulder. So, I mean, coming back from that, also mentally, though, you know, stepping back in, you know, not playing a lot at Texas, already transferring out, come to Tennessee, uh, play like three or four games, pit game. I think it was the injury that happened in that game. So missed the whole rest of the season, kind of seeing the team go down, seeing like how a guy like Jeremy Banks step up and other guys stepping up. Uh, you know, coming back, you have to, you know, earn your role still under, uh, like, you know, they had to do all the evaluations when they first got there. So if they do, you know, play a guy like Elijah Herring or Caleb Perry, I just hope that that mentally they're like second or third team. He does show up. You know, I think it was like a hundred and something crazy tackles. He has that dog in him. He's a Juco project, uh, product. Like they always have that dog in him. They always have that chip on their edge. It's in him. But can we see it come out when the lights get dark? Is just the question. So. Absolutely. Uh, sorry, Brando, because you cut out on my end. I think you're probably fine everywhere else. I don't know why it does that sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, but. Right. <laughs> Maybe. I'm glad. Does anyone else have anything to comment about that before we go into ESPN FPI predictions? Uh, no. No. Um, let's see. All right. So ESPN FPI predictions. They have Tennessee going seven and five this upcoming season with losses to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Kentucky, and Pitt. Let's I I'll just save my I'll save my shit for after. I'll let you guys go first. I mean, I might have the orange colored glasses on, but I definitely see uh like an eight and four, nine and three. Eight and four is the worst case scenario. Tennessee comes out hot like they did last year. I think seven and five, uh 
kind of cutting it. Obviously, we know how these rankings are. We talked about it last week and the week before that with the Hendon Hooker and, you know, the quarterback thing from FPI and uh, the PFF guys over there. Like, these lists, you know, not too bad. I think they even have us losing to Kentucky, if I'm not wrong, like by like 55% chance. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Barely have us beat in South Carolina. Um, barely have us beat Missouri. Like, I just thought, obviously – Disgusting. I think we're definitely going eight and four, nine and three. Tennessee is definitely going to get to like a bowl game, a Citrus Bowl. I think everyone's kind of putting out those predictions now. I've been seeing like a bunch. Like everyone's kind of doing like their weekly thing. I've been seeing like a lot of nine and threes, eight and fours, uh, mostly nine and threes. No one's getting like too too confident, which I like a lot because obviously we don't need to be stupid and like embarrass ourselves if stuff does go south. But to say seven and five, that's pretty fucking disgusting. And I think Drew, even you know, Drew, I know you're kind of on the downslope there, but you can agree that seven and five is kind of pushing it too low, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say – like, I don't I don't think we lose to Kentucky. No right? shot. But I think, like, Pitt or Kentucky is, like, where either one will be a win and one will be a loss. Like, and nope. I suppose, like, I, it's like I mentioned in the last four and a half, five shows, you know, we haven't won an out-of-conference Power 5 game in 25 years. So, I have no reason to think that, like, you know – Granted, you know, they don't have Kenny Pickett, but, you know, Pittsburgh always has a great defensive line that causes issues, and this is the ACC defending champs, all right? Like, they're still a very respectable team. Um, I think we'll win one or the other, but, like, you know, I hate to admit it, guys, but, like, ESPN's FBI thing, it's been pretty damn accurate the last few years. I mean, you know, they had us going 5-7 and seven in 2018. We went 5-7. and seven. 2019, they were a little bit off the mark. They had us going four and eight, which we honestly we could have very easily have gone four and eight. Um, 2020, though, they had us going four and six and three and seven, and last year they had us going seven and five. So, you know, I mean, they, it's accurate for a reason. I, you know, I still think we'll probably wind up going eight and four. But I mean, come on, guys, like you should at least be happy that for your all sake that they acknowledge Florida was a win. So, I mean, that we, is true. That is true. I am acknowledge that, but I just want to say, I just do not understand why in the fuck they think that Kentucky is going to beat us. What, where is the logic behind this? I really truly want to know because lost Wando Robinson lost their offensive coordinator. Their fucking running back is probably missing this season because he has a DUI charge and he didn't show up for court. They got uh, Roman Jefferson that we missed out on because we didn't want to take him. So they took that glory. They think D Beckwith is going to be a stud, respectfully. D didn't play here for a reason. I just think the Kentucky, they're obviously all kind of glorifying that. And respectfully, they're all kind of <laughs> glorifying that for a reason and going into this season thinking they have a chance because, you know, obviously basketball is on the down low. Baseball, they got the series sweep over us, but they didn't do anything else there. They, you know, they have to kind of, you know, depend on football. They had a 10-win season somehow last year so. They kind of, you know, we ha- they have to be humbled, man. It's this year, Mark Stoops, he's not a good coach. He gets a promotion and a year added. He's, right. still, he's an okay coach, but when you get an extra year on your contract for winning six. That fucking disaster. When you get an extra year on your contract for winning six games, you are okay with mediocrity. And it's okay, though. The, like, that's he's what the had people- more recent 10-win seasons than Tennessee has in almost 20 years. So, like, look, I don't like Mark Stoops. He got beat by Jeremy Pruitt. He still won 10 games. You agreed with look, me on this like two look, weeks ago. We got beat by no. Jeremy Pruitt. Look, Terry I, Wilson strolled in there in Knoxville, and they got boat raced by Jeremy yeah, Pruitt and Jared Garantano. Look, look, I agree. Like, I agree. Like, he, it was crazy. He, he did lose to Jeremy Pruitt. 
Correct. However, he's not a bad coach. I'm not going to say he's one of the top five coaches in the SEC, but you cannot deny the fact that he turned that dumpster fire program into somewhat respectable. And I think one of the reasons why so many people are hyped up about Kentucky is that they're coming off another 10-win season where they won the Citrus Bowl for the second time in five years, a bowl game that we haven't been to since 2001, okay? They've had two 10-win seasons in the last five years, and, you know, they got a very high-rated, you know, high-rated quarterback that's returning. I don't yeah, think no. Will Levis is that good, okay? First no. of all, the guy puts mayonnaise in his coffee. That's what I – yeah, yeah, and uh... – Second of all, I mean, he threw over 12, I think he threw 12 or 13 interceptions last year. I don't think he's that good, but there's a reason why people are hyped up about, about Kentucky, and I understand that. However, and do not even twist it, say I'm saying this, I still think we're going to beat them. But that's the reason, and it's validated. I mean, they have proven why they should have that hype. They've proven it more than we have. I mean, you can't argue that. I guess I'm fine with it because I would rather deal with that. I'd rather deal with ESPN FPI predictions being wrong, which I think that is definitely wrong, um, and just show up when it's game day. I don't really give a shit about everyone's little thoughts. All I care about is what we do each week and hopefully get some dubs. Um, but I just thought that – I really do – I. I guess I get your point, Drew. It's just that when I look at talent ratio and what we're bringing back in our offense compared to this specific Kentucky team, I don't give a shit what they done last season or the past couple seasons. I'm looking at like, this season and these talent, this talent matchup, and I just don't see it at all. I mean, I'm not saying it. I'm not like look like now. You guys are just twisting it. I never no. said. <laughs> I'm saying, though, the reason why they have all this hype is validated because of what they have done the last few years. And they have, I mean, like, you know, like we can argue about it, but Will Levis is a good quarterback. He's not the best quarterback in the SEC, and he's probably not even the best in the division, but he is still a top four quarterback in the conference. So it's understandable. However, like, that does not mean that we're going to lose to Kentucky, though. So. Stop twisting my words. No, no. Okay. So if the, if the two games, if the two games we're going to debate are uh, Pitt and Kentucky, I'm going to look at the quarterback. So uh, with Kentucky, like Will Levis, uh, puts mayonnaise in his coffee, eats rotten bananas. TikTok guy. Um, his highlight of his, you know, this season was probably going Superman in the end zone, just to be the angry face, mad meme after we came back and won. So uh, that was kind of that. Uh, I think. Going in that, all the losses they have, uh, the running back kind of trouble, losing your OC, kind of trying to build something kind of back up. Yeah, you went 10 wins, but you kind of know uh, what Alante Taylor said last year. We don't lose to Kentucky. I don't expect that to kind of really change. Obviously, Tennessee was really excited to walk away with that win. But you're going, they're coming into Neyland this year, and it's not Jeremy Pruitt at the, the helm anymore. Josh Heupel, I don't think he understands. I think he understands that, you know, you don't lose to Kentucky in Neyland especially. And I don't think they're going to uh, let that one kind of slip by. When I look at Pitt, uh, the two quarterbacks, you know, Will Levis and then Keaton Slavis that transferred in from USC on those lists we talked about last week, them kind of being on the top 10 and Hendon Hooker being nowhere to be found. Uh, Pitt, Keaton Slavis obviously got embarrassed in the Pac-12. USC was on a downfall, got beat out by Jackson Dart. Uh, let a guy like Brew McCoy and Drake London, uh, obviously Drake London lucked out, was kind of big in the draft, top five, top seven pick by the Atlanta Falcons. But, you know, guys, you know, not getting their true talent at USC. That's probably why uh, Lincoln Riley got brought in. Keaton Slavis, I don't think he's going to be any good. You lose Jordan Addison at three wide receiver, your only real threat. Uh, Pitt, the last few years, 
never had a running the ball presence. They, they couldn't run the ball on us. They were just kind of passing it. Kenny Pickett, obviously, Tennessee plays another top five drafted quarterback again that gets, you know, shown against Tennessee, just like they did with Zach Wilson and BYU. I don't think we go to Heinz Field and lose this game. We, we go into the Heinz Field, go into Pitt. We, we win early, like. It's not Heinz Field anymore. So. Yeah, they changed it. I know. I, we could have had the perfect ketchup mustard. Beautiful combo. It's now known as the ass. Like, literally, if you <laughs> Right. It is literally ass. Like, so, the ass. Which is fitting for the city of Pittsburgh, of course. But. I, I think I think it's crazy because Josh Heupel at UCF, he lost one to Narduzzi and then won one the next year. Uh, obviously, last year came into a lot, a lot of lost talent. He started Joe Milton, and then Hendon Hooker came in late. We finally found out that Hendon Hooker was our quarterback. Um, Tennessee, after that, and even under Joe Milton, uh, the first you know first quarter point differential, 28 points. I don't expect that to change. That's a known staple under Josh Heupel. He always scripts his first 14 to, uh, two to three series. Starting off, he has those plays scripted in the practice and then kind of just lets it loose with the offense. I think he knows what he's getting into when he goes up there. Uh, to Pitt, and I think that he's going to get uh, started fast. Uh, last year, Pitt had like what 16 uh, graduate seniors, like extra grad seniors. So I just think that's you know a big loss. Also losing the offensive pieces. He's not Kenny Pickett, uh, and they don't have Jordan Addison. And I mean, as long as we're lucky, and though by God, this guy doesn't have a breakout game against us, I think he, we win that game. He definitely will. There's no but doubt. I, I don't see those two games being a toss up, and the fact that you know those two are like the biggest toss ups on the FBI. But they have us beating Florida. I mean, the Florida one's accurate. I thought Drew would kind of be mad that they picked us to beat Florida. Well, I mean, I'm not necessarily mad. I just don't like. I just I don't I don't believe it. I mean, you know, I'm I'm going to be against it until kickoff. But like, yeah, I mean, we got Peter booing you in the comments. He's he's pissed. Oh, hide <laughs> down. Peter's in full effect early. I mean, you know, like I mean, you have to expect on the road that we're going to be an underdog. I mean, like, you know, like that's very, I feel like that's reasonable, especially, you know, going up to Pitt, you know, I mean, defending ACC champs. They're, I know they're not the same team last year, but guys, we haven't won a Power 5 conference road game since UCLA Peyton senior year in 97. I, like, I don't have And that team was ass, and we nearly blew that game. We were up 35-0, and we almost lost. Yeah, I mean – Pitt, I remember when Pitt last year, like they came into our bars and kind of flooded us. I fully expect, I know there's some Tennessee fans up there north in Pennsylvania that can go to, you know, Heinz Field or the Ass or whatever you want to call it now and show up and show out. There's no reason we don't go up there and show out. I saw like a couple of Pitt games last year, like when I was watching their home game highlights. They have a really, really big field and like they're not really loud at home because they're playing in an NFL stadium. They don't play in like their kind of own stadium. So like a lot of that space. It's kind of not filled. I just imagine that we travel with like 10, 15,000 people that kind of show up up there. That would be kind of crazy. Uh, you know, we kind of always kind of going on those neutral games, but to go into like a true road game, kind of show up, that'd be kind of nice. So, I don't know. I just, I, I think we've discussed it before, but as we get so much closer to the season, like this, that pit game is absolutely pivotal for the rest of the season. Like, absolutely. Yeah. I, in my opinion, a must win set the tone for everything else. I think, well, well, yeah. If there's the big, biggest game of the year, I think it, it really is that big game. If we lose yeah. that game, we go one and one and two and one to Florida. We don't really have that high. The fan base isn't really going to be fi that fired up, you know. But if we go and win that one, three and no, playing Florida, game day is probably going to be there. Balls will be a top 15 team, most likely. And, you know, night game at Neyland, it will be rocking. 
yeah, I mean, that's a huge game. And we can finally get that monkey off the back and win a meaningful, you know, road game as well. So, how awesome. Yeah. If, the, if, there's a, if there's three things I remember last season, three series, I remember it's that last one overtime, uh, Jalen Wright stretch against Purdue in the Music City Bowl, the last overtime, Hinton Hooker going down, Joe Milton coming in for the Ole Miss game where he runs out of bounds. And the third one was Joe Milton overthrowing uh, Jacob Warren and then the long bomb to Jalen Hyatt in the pit game where he got knocked down and concussed just for Hinton Hooker to come in and get screwed out of that first down late where we could have come back and won. Uh, all three games kind of coming down to crazy bullshit officiating. Um, obviously, next year, we addressed all these rules in the NCAA and we're praising the NCAA, but the one thing they didn't fix, fake injuries and time management for going forward with TV times. They care more about their TV time and kind of fixing the game and making it fair for us. So, obviously, there's going to be kind of those flaws. But See, that's the thing, though. Well, I would recommend if I was Josh Heifel, right, and especially mm-hmm. for defense, we fake an injury every single down on defense. We did do that, though. That's the thing, Drew. Remember last year, every single time we scored fast after our defense came off the field, what would happen when you're at the game? Jackson Lanfley or Jake Lanfley or another lineman, Cooper Mays, goes down. Ah, oh, my leg. He goes down. We wait, well, you know, five more minutes for a kickoff. And we get the ball. Else, Everyone exactly, else. Exactly. Exactly. That's I, the thing, though, the fact that we had to really kind of like deep down understand that we had to do that because it didn't just start with Ole Miss. Ole Miss, they went crazy with it, but Narduzzi did it early when he came into Knoxville when Tennessee was going fast with the tempo. And I guess like under the American Conference when he was at UCF, like if people did it there, I have no idea, but it probably went under the, like, under the radar to the nation. But when you realize that you can kind of slow down like that, you see that like Lane Kiffin did it like every single play in 50-degree weather in October. So it was just – I mean, come on, man. Like That's what I'm saying. Like, if we just do it every single down, it doesn't even matter if it's the first play of the game on defense for us. If we do it every single down, then the NCAA will finally have to get off their asses and actually do something for once over there in Indianapolis, and we'll finally get the rules that this sport deserves. So it might take yeah. the game eight and a half, nine hours, but you know what? That just that leaves you more time for getting beers at Neyland. So I think it's a win-win. Draining that bank account for $30, $30 beers, probably nice, not. Really. Yeah, marking him up with uh, COVID now. So, or like, not COVID, fucking inflation. Probably double. All of it. Okay. All of it. It's pretty, <laughs> it's going to be out of control. I just can't wait. We are getting so close. Like, so I, I get, yeah. Close. Uh, what, it's like July 27th, 33, 32, 33. In counting, because it's 7.47 p.m., so we'll be playing by this time, that time. So, yeah. I mean, going back to the, uh, I guess, the original topic of all the media predictions and going from that and uh, not only our records, but quarterbacks, players, uh, not having, like, most of our guys probably on the top where they should be in list. Uh, I think it's, you know, year two, you really have to go out there and kind of shock it because we talked about all the time saying that the, the hope is that we have that big jump that everyone else has, all these big tenure coaches going from year one to year two. And the talent's there. Um, you just kind of have to reload it after. But if you can go out there and get it started, first points, get those big leads, get the fan base rocking, it would be crazy, man. I just – I can't wait. I, I'm excited for everything, the, all the renovations, 30 days. Yeah, go. it's exciting. Just, we got to – Got to pipe down a little bit. Let's don't get too excited now. Let's don't let's don't get uh, acting crazy with our predictions. So 
I'm fucking crazy, bro. Eight and four is reasonable, and we should be happy if eight and four. That is an improvement from last year. That's a step in the right direction. Okay, so gonna be fine. We're gonna get better. You know, whatever you're saying is, whether it's brick by brick or you know, <laughs> what, so we are gonna get better. What what's the uh, Eli Drinkowitz saying? What, what was it? May the fourth be what? What is it? Uh, that guy's such a nerd. He's fucking okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just. I just scrolled on Twitter and the first thing I saw was 62-24 that we did to them this year. So it's like what Jake Miller says. He looks like Stu from the Hangover. He, <laughs> he's just like the loser version of Stu, pretty much. Down horrendous. If you're gonna speak of countdowns, that means that we're only 23 days from the live event. Just saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Countdown for them. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Um, Box bar and grill with with the juice man, juice and, man, and Mr. Fleming. Yeah, if you missed the announcement earlier, we're just nonchalantly announcing it again. <laughs> so that's how excited Reminders, we are. Reminders, y'all better be there. We're gonna have freaking crazy. Drew's whole dad's family reunion's coming in. Like, yeah, I know. County represented, no doubt about it. Oh my god! Also, it's gonna be a dangerous environment. Yes. Uh, they had Hendon Hooker and Darnell Wright and Cedric Tillman as second team, Byron Young as first team. What are y'all's predictions out of the eight guys that got named the preseason All-SEC team, where they're going to wind up being? But I'll be honest with you, I, I'm expecting a big year from By- Byron Young, but I don't think he's going to be first team, though. I, I, I'm going to – Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, I, Byron Young, I kind of think he is because, I don't know, just, like, I hate to, like – Obviously, it has to be on the field, but like the workout, like photos and videos, like Tyler Barron and him, they look like absolute beasts. And then you have the young guys on the edge. If Tennessee can get like that physical play from Tyler Barron and Byron on the other side, where Byron can kind of have it made easy from push on the interior D line, where he can get off the edge, that, that didn't happen a lot last year. That was kind of the struggle year one with Rodney Garner kind of getting under these guys and kind of getting them like letting them all know it's going to be the same treatment. I think Byron Young is going to be a guy that shines and from that Juco story to now, like he's going to have a, a season where he can probably get 20 tackles. If not Byron, you know, my guy's probably uh, Trayvon Flowers coming off the ACL uh, last year, being a true, true leader. And then now coming back this year, deciding to come back, improve his stock. I, I think that guy is going to be a second or third round pick next year, uh, probably with the Saints knowing our trajectory luck with Vols players. But uh, Trayvon Flowers, he's a guy that I think is going to be a top corner or top safety in the SEC this year. So. If I'm gonna I'm gonna go bold with my picks and I'm gonna say Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman end up moving up to first team as uh three SEC this year, but also I'm gonna shuffle Banks up to at least second because I think I really do think he's gonna shine, like we mentioned earlier. Like if he would have just cleaned up those penalties slightly, I mean oh, his yeah. he would have been in terms of everyone else, but I do, I really think, I think Hendon Hooker's going to absolutely fucking shine this year. I think it'll be phenomenal. I don't give a shit, Drew. I think, no, I think he's going to have a fantastic year, but he's not going to, they're not going to pick him first team over Bryce Young. Like that will, the SEC will not allow that to happen whatsoever. I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's going to throw over 3,000 yards. And I think he's going to have over 35, 36, you know, passing touchdowns this year. But oh, yeah, he should. I, going first team though Cedric Tillman definitely is though there's one yeah, guy Tillman's most definitely going to be first team I would be shocked if he's not at least second or first for that matter the only the only way that uh Cedric Tillman isn't first team 
is that Brew McCoy is really him, and he comes out and has like a thousand yard year himself. We have two one thousand yard receivers, so we have a first and a second, or a second and a third team guy. Also, you know, Jalen Hyatt last year playing. He, this kid played at one hundred and thirty six, one hundred forty pounds. He's six two, six three. Uh, now it's like one eighty, playing tremendous. And then you have all the uh, freshman receivers. You know, Chaz Nimrod, uh, Caleb Webb, Marker uh, Squirrel White. So I think Tennessee is just gonna, you know, we're loaded at the wide receiver. But I think Cedric Tillman, like. I think it's going to be a lot of love. They're going to be going four wide. That's why I look at guys like I picked. But I think it's definitely another guy offensively that I wanted to talk. Jabari Small, like he's not on any list for uh, first, second, third, fourth team. But I think he has the potential. Um, obviously, Tennessee's right now looking for another back in the portal. They uh, kind of nug there. But uh, Jabari Small, man, he's been training like heck. Uh, obviously, Tyon Evans gone. He played with a banged up shoulder last year. Never got the full, like fully came back to that Kentucky game where he had that highlight. I think he's going to be a guy that kind of shocks and kind of gets up there in the SEC uh, going into his junior, senior year. I think he's going to have a crazy year too. So, Yeah, I mean, we're loaded at running back if you really think about it. Jabari Small, who was the leading rusher last year, Wright, who showed flashes. I think he's just got to be in the weight room a little bit more. And uh, Justin Williams as well. I'm telling you, I really think Justin Williams is going to wind up being our two running back by the end of the year. I really think he's going to – I think so too. Yeah, what what I heard is that uh, like obviously with Justin Williams, like it's like kind of like a learning curve going to the, like the next level of college. Like uh, the passing protection is kind of different from high school to uh, high school to like college ball. So he's kind of still learning that. I think Tennessee, like uh, obviously they didn't uh, take Ramon Jefferson because there was kind of some troubles there, kind of getting them in there with uh, academic issues and stuff like that. But I'm hearing kind of uh, there might be like a late addition. There's guys like um, Marquis Step. A USC transfer that went to Nebraska, like Tennessee's been talking to like multiple transfers that are already at other schools, trying to kind of get them to pull out late and come in before it's too late. So another name to look there, kind of Marquis Step, USC would be like a big back. I think Tennessee obviously wants a big back that hey, he might not come in here and be an elite guy, but when it's like you know third and short, uh, we put him out there. He can go out there and kind of do a tie on did last year before he got hurt and kind of have that double effect. And if you put that up with a guy like Jabari and give the keys to Jabari this year and let him run loose like that. And also have Jalen Wright year two, a guy that's kind of hungry with how last year ended. I think that's kind of going to be big for that position too. So, Absolutely. Um, do you guys have any other like last or final comments before we shut off? We had a lot of content tonight for three people. Yeah. With I Alex. yeah. I got I my, yeah. Brand, you know, yeah. Long time listener, first time caller. Um, what is the update in the status of Ruben McCoy's ability? So I've heard that like that hump, like Josh Heupel at the SEC uh, media day, he mentioned that Brew McCoy, uh, you know, he has to, you know, get eligible to play. And that kind of threw Tennessee fans into shock because no one's even mentioned they would have like a reason not to be eligible to play after he like all the court cases kind of got settled and everything. I don't think it's like anything legal from everything I've heard. It's like a really small, small bump to get over, but also it's a bump in the road to consider that it's, it's still a bump in the road and how the NCAA kind of plays with us. You saw like with Cade Mays when he first came in, Darnell Wright, other guys, you know, struggling to get eligible to play. I think uh, uh, this kind of, you know, hold your breath until, you know, he's eligible, but I think he's going to be eligible to play. Uh, I think everything will be fine there. And obviously Tennessee's expecting him to be on the other side of Cedric Tillman. So I think everything will be fine there. Uh I don't think it's anything to look after. I think everything he kind of, you know, played it right and did everything right. So it yeah. definitely is something to watch, though, for sure. 
you know, think about those. as well. It's like, even if he, if they do, you know, take their sweet, precious time as they usually do, of course, of uh, having our players being eligible. When you think about Jalen Wright, and then we also have, you know, the Jimmy Callaway, Jimmy Holiday as well, and even like, you know, Worldwide and Caleb Webb, I mean, we got the talent at the wide receiver position is stupid. Like, it is, it is outrageous how loaded uh, as far as talent goes at that position alone. So, I really hope Rue McCoy gets, you know, ready. But if he isn't for any reason whatsoever and it takes a couple games, I think we'll be fine. I was almost about to blank, but another guy on the outside, sorry, uh, Ramel Keaton, you know, he's still out there growing too, and he's also been raved about by Hendon Hooker at SEC Media Day. So a guy on the outside, I think that Rue McCoy, like we'd have to have a guy out there big, guy that can go out there and get a 50-50 ball. Ramel Keaton, he was the kind of guy that, you know, Hasn't shined a lot in game. He kind of did early last season, but you know he has that ability to be that kind of freak athlete. And if he can show it, this year's the year to show it. Along with Jalen Hyatt, like there's a lot of guys at that position that should be able to break out if they're given the opportunity. So my God, we are stacked. I just can't even believe it. Offen- <laughs> yeah, offensively, yeah, but you know it's kind of completely different story on defense side of ball. I'm not yeah, gonna. Feels yeah. like Rimmel Keaton's been here for like 15 years. Yeah, because when he came in with Harrison Bailey and all that, so. Yeah, seems like he was also coached under, you know, Butch and Dooley and even Kiffin as well. (laughs) No, yeah, I guess um, we didn't even talk about it last week because I guess we didn't do a show last week, but we got that commitment from uh, wide receiver Nathan Leacock finally hopping in the boat. Uh, Three-star wide receiver out of North Carolina, commits over North Carolina and Michigan, picks Tennessee. Uh, 6'4", 200-pound receiver. He can run a 4'4". And has like a crazy like forty inch bird already, uh, absolute crazy freak of an athlete. I know he was like the top wide receiver on both boards, and like everyone's been raving. So he probably is going to end up as a four star, along with many of our three stars. But I know for all the star gays, kind of pumping the brakes. A huge addition to add uh, Cam with Cameron Selden. Like I mentioned, Tennessee's class still being a uh, top ten in the country. I think it's seventh right now on like every site. So if you like care about the rankings and all like that. Uh, and then also um, Stan Ramil expected to announce soon and also expected Ricky Gibson, uh, three-star corner, to announce soon. Stan Ramil, four-star offensive lineman. That would be a huge, huge addition. I think Tennessee is trending well there. So by the time next week or even our live show, probably more additions. So they're just keep on going. Good old content. Yeah, absolutely. Brando with all the recruiting info that you ever need to know about. It's fabulous. Living and breathing. <laughs> All right, Drew. Any finals? Any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, not really. Uh, other than you know, pro sucks. Uh, former. Yeah, what a mess. Back to Newland Stadium. Um, and yeah, I mean, seven and five, eight and four seems pretty reasonable. I like it. I I agree with that statement. All of that statement. I hope we literally very soon never have to hear about the Pruitts again, even in his losses or wins or whatever. He's about, I don't give a shit anymore. Um, Let's just move forward with the hype man. And I think the future's bright. Brando, anything else? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm quiet now. I'm good. Okay. All right. (laughs) Had to get the nuts there. Um, So, yeah, we missed Alex tonight, as everyone knows. I'm not sure when he will be back, but I'm pretty positive that he's going to make the live show. So between now and then, we will try to keep content rolling for you guys. And keep on the lookout, because I think pretty soon we're going to – 
start to ask for suggestions for our punishment for the season loser, the season prediction loser of oh, yeah. the pod. So I don't know. We should probably start asking for suggestions soon, and then we'll have you all vote on it so we can announce it at the show. So lots to look forward to for us, and we are good. So until next time, go balls. Yeah, go balls, baby. Go balls.